time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Hey, Desperation! You made it! You're here! Everybody say, holla! <laughs> All right, well, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Let's see, is anybody here from Texas? Just curious. Anybody here from Kansas? All right. Let's go a long shot, Indiana. All right. If you're from Indiana, Missouri. All right. How about New Jersey? Michigan? New Mexico? All right. All right, good. West Virginia? All right, all right. Let's go with Colorado. Well, welcome. Welcome. Have you had a good year? Have you had a good year? Welcome back to those of you who have been here many times. So weird to have you even back here. Even some... How's it going back here? You guys good back here? All right, shout out. Good. So many of you. Um, all right, well, I've had a great year. Uh, this is my wife, Renata, on the front row. Can you just guys say hi to me? This is my wife, Renata. And she's holding our three-month-old baby boy, Justice. And so it's been a great year. I, uh, I want to show you a picture of my kids right here. This is a couple hours ago. So that's our new baby boy, Justice, right there. And then that's Dawson. He's pretending to be Superman right there. That's how he does every picture now. And then that's Olivia behind me. And then that's Adeline Grace. And I love to talk about them. I, I, I want to tell you a, just a couple stories as we get started. The other day, uh, Dawson and Olivia were playing. And Olivia said to Dawson, hey, Dawson, let Ariel and King Triton. And Dawson looked at her and said, no, Liv, we really should play something more Christian. Let's play Superman. <laughs> I love that. All right, another one. Uh, Dawson came up to me a number, uh, number of weeks ago, a couple of months ago now, and he said, hey, Dad, I'd really like to be baptized, and me, spiritual father, and just kind of my heart strangely warmed by the fact that my five-year-old wants to be baptized. I said, really, Dawson? Why do you want to be baptized? And he said, because I want to try out my new goggles. <laughs> kind of. And then um, my favorite one was this. Uh, our family has a little Bible study together, and so right now they're two and three months. Three-month-old doesn't participate much yet, but we were sitting there talking, and we were, I was kind of quizzing them on the Bible, and I said to them, I said, all right, guys, can any of you tell me who the three boys were that did not bow down to the idol of King Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible? And without any hesitation, <laughs> without any hesitation, Dawson raised up his hand, and he goes, what? Rack, Shack, and Benny. And I, and I was like... Yeah, that's, that's cute. That's good, Dawson. I, but does anybody know their real names? And Olivia blurted out, Bob Larry Jr. <laughs> anyway, those are my kids. They're the delight of my life right now, and I'm loving them. So I wanted you to know a couple stories about them. John chapter, we're going to talk about Jesus tonight. Everybody say Jesus. 
John chapter 6, verse 66, John's gospel here. Let me read to you. From this time, many, say many. Oh, no, say many. From this time, many of his, his meaning Jesus. From this time, many of Jesus' disciples or of his disciples. From this time, many of his disciples are back and no longer followed Jesus. No longer followed him. Jesus said, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You, you have the words of eternal life. Believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Father, we come before you tonight in the powerful name of Jesus. And here we are. We've gathered together in mass to worship, to pray, to study the scriptures, to walk away from here encouraged, filled with courage to what you've called us to be. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to be your disciples. May we truly understand what it means to be a disciple. May we be authentic disciples here now, in this day and age, in 2010, in a generation that needs God so desperately. We love you and we trust you. And everybody said amen. I don't know why you came to Jesus. I don't know how you came to Jesus. I don't know your story about what took place in your life where you made a decision for Jesus. Maybe there are some of you here that have not made a decision to follow Jesus. But it's interesting. When you begin to dialogue with different people about why they follow Jesus, you kind of have some different stories going on. And Recently, I was on an airplane and we had just done a desperation event. I was flying home. I got on the airplane sat down, fairly empty flight, and the flight attendant came by and he looked at me and I was sitting in the emergency exit row and he looked at me and said, excuse me, you must be at least 15 years of age to sit in the exit row. Looked at him, smiled. Not really, I didn't smile. Said, actually, man, I'm in my 30s, man, I'm, I'm cool. He was like, so sorry. And so uh, had a bit of an awkward moment there and we took off. He went through and he gave everybody their drinks. And he came back through and he sat down next to me. There was an empty seat next to me. And I'm not really sure why he sat by me. I think it might have been out of pity. But he sat down next to me and he struck up a conversation with me. And so we began to talk. And we began to talk a little bit about his life and my life. And just started off with just obvious casual conversation and icebreakers who are you? What do you do? And that led to me obviously talking about, hey, I'm just leaving a youth conference and I'm a Christian. I've been a Christ follower my whole life. And I ended up talking a little bit about Jesus and we began to dialogue. And then I asked him about his faith. And he said to me, oh, I'm not into the Jesus thing. He said, I've been there, done that, tried that. And here was his language. He said, it didn't work. He said, it didn't work. So I, I was kind of puzzled by that. So I began to talk to him and I said, tell, tell me what you mean. It, it didn't work. And he said, well, I came to Jesus when I gave my life to God. I thought and I wanted God to give me a better apartment, a girlfriend, and a car, a better car. And he said, so I gave it a try and I had heard that when you come to God, you get a blessed life, you get a better life. I didn't get any better, and so I chunked it. 
And so I began to dialogue with him a little bit about what it means to follow Jesus. And I began to talk to him a little bit about what real Christianity is about and who Jesus is. His heart had grown cold because in his head he had already given it a shot. And in my opinion, he came to Jesus under a false premise of what it means to be a Christ follower. Why we come to Jesus. I don't know why you came to Jesus. I don't know if you've come to Jesus. I don't know what your story is. I remember growing up in church, a friend of mine invited me to his youth group, a big event, and uh, went to it. It was after a football game in October. And uh, it was an event where we walked, we, we, it was kind of like a, a drama, kind of like, kind of like Small World at Disneyland, where they had turned classrooms into different scenes. And there was pe- kind of like people in their church doing like live acting as we walked through a hallway it was that a teen is leaving a football game, dies in a car wreck on his way home, has never given his life to Christ. And then there's classrooms with hell in them. And so people are burning and it's devils jumping out at you. And and at the end, you go to a classroom and you make your choice on if you want to give your life to Christ or not. Because they've just scared you to death. So I, I mean, I was a pastor's kid and I've been a Christ follower. I was trying to reach my high school for Jesus, but I was like, I'm not sure. Just to be sure, I'm signing up again. To get saved. I got saved three times that night. I remember going to a youth event probably in my junior or senior year. And the preacher got up and his entire sermon was about how each one of us have a destiny, a calling. He said, the only way that you will reach your calling, the only way that you will have a good life that you, that, to fulfill what your purpose is if you get saved. And the language that he used, I remember it very well, is he said, he said, there's a, a God-shaped hole in your heart. There's a God-shaped hole, and if you filled, if you want that God-shaped hole filled, the only way is God, and, 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 and you got to get saved to fulfill your purpose. I got saved again that night. I want to fulfill my purpose. And I, I, I don't know why you came to Jesus. I don't know what your story is. But I'm intrigued right now because I, the, the days, a decade ago, you know, 15 years ago, those were the days that I, I came to Jesus. And in April, I was reading the USA Today. And, and in April, the, 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 the front page of the USA Today, it said, survey 72% of millennials more spiritual than religious. And it goes on to talk about statistics about teenagers, their generation, were churchgoers, Christ followers, going after God and today are not. And there's a bunch of statistics. 70% of teens leave church in their 20s. Half of those never return. And I, I, I kind of was shocked. USA Today. Most young adults today don't pray, don't worship, and don't read the Bible. A major survey of a Christian research firm shows. It goes on to talk about how so many who once said yes to Jesus, for whatever reason, gave their lives to Christ, and then in latter days, 20s, 30s, walk away. 
just want to read the end of the USA Today article here. It says, Colin Hansen, 29, author of Young, Restless, and Reformed, about a thriving minority of traditional Christians agrees. I'm not going to say these numbers aren't true and aren't grim, but they also drive people like me to build passionately Christian dynamic churches, says Hansen, who is studying for the ministry. He sees many in his generation veering to, and here are the big words, I'm going to explain them, moralistic therapeutic deism, which is God wants you to be happy and do good things. He says a generation has turned to moralistic therapeutic deism. God God wants you to be happy. Therapeutic. Moralistic. You want good things. know where you're at in your journey, but this conference, this, this doesn't exist so that for three days, for three days, we can have the presence and the power and the encounter with God. Oh, I love the presence and the encounter of God. I love it. I mean, this, this is a big party and this is awesome. And I love coming in here and I, I love lifting my hands up and declaring to God who he is. And I gain strength by joining thousands of other people. I love, I love this moment. I love this time that But this doesn't mostly exist for this moment. This exists for us to be disciples of Jesus, make decisions to be followers of Jesus. And we don't want it to be a short-term thing. We want to be people that in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, we want to be all the days of our lives, we want to be Christ followers. We want to be disciples. And so I'm looking at this reality and I'm looking at how many people in my generation came to Jesus and I want to hit on the fact that I think some of those motivations, I think those motivations, they're a part of our story. I love it. I love it that God comforts us. And that when we come to God, there are many blessings on our lives. I love that. I love the family that God's blessed me with. I love this church. I love blessing. I want blessing. I love purpose. I want purpose on my life. I want to fulfill God's purpose. I like the idea of heaven. I want to spend eternity with God. I don't like the idea of hell. I'm thankful for heaven. But I want to talk to you as a young man or as a young woman in the moments here. You're a teenager. And I want to talk to you about at the core, the primary reason. Those are great Reasons, but I'm talking about at the core, the most central message of the gospel. Why do you follow Jesus? Is it because you're hoping for purpose? Is it because you're hoping for comfort? And Jesus is the means to your end? Or is Jesus the end? Is Jesus the means? Is Jesus all? Jesus your purpose is Jesus the way the truth I think so many of us come to and Jesus is the means to our end when we look at our lives we want to, we want to have a purpose we want excitement we want a blessed life but if Jesus is the means to your end being your happiness moralistic, therapeutic deism. Just it's about you and you want a good life and Jesus is your way to get to a good life. If that's really your story, 
then I think, just like the article says, undoubtedly, you will face a crisis. You'll face a crisis. You'll have a crisis of faith one day. Because as I have walked through my life, this journey, and as I've looked at my peers, my friends, as I've walked in ministry for the last 15 years and watched people, we go through hard times. And what happens to the person? What happens to you if there's not comfort? If you don't get the edge you want? If there is death of someone you love? If the finances aren't there? If the promotion never arrives? Whatever it is. You see, because at the core, there's so many people that say, all right, all right, I was, I, was, I was at an event or I was at a church or I was at an experience. I made a decision. They told me a truth. They told me, they told me that it would fill the God-shaped hole and I would, I would forget a purpose. And really, at the core, my motive is I want purpose. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes to Jesus so that I can get purpose. Or I'm going to say yes to Jesus so that I can get comfort. And many, many of my in the 90s, Sat in events like this. Just a few less lights and a couple, it's a little different, but basement, misty smell of a 40 of us or so. But anyway, it's a little different. But, and we came and we said, yeah, let's go for it. But if at the core, if at the core you came to Jesus and it's not because of who he is, you know, if, if you come to Jesus for a reason that's you instead of him, I think you'll face a crisis of faith. Reach a moment that's hard. In my own journey, in my own life, there's been a doctor says I have bad news. I've had moments. I've had moments where a friend says I no longer believe. I've had employers say you're not going to get the job. It's hard times. It's not all easy. And if your motive and if your reasons for coming are not because of who he is, my thought is that your future may be like my generation's. You may be just like us, and there will be a USA Today article. 4,000 come to the Desperation Conference in 2010, but in 2020... Many no longer believe. When you look at the disciples, look at Peter here. He talks to Jesus. John 66 says, From this time, many of his disciples turned back, and they no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have a life. And then he says it. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The reason why we follow you is because of who you are. We do not follow you because you are the means to our ultimate happiness. We do not follow you because you are the means to the end of our ultimate purpose. No, when you came along and this rabbi from Galilee showed up and invited us to leave everything that we had to follow you, we didn't leave for comfort. We had comfort. We had boats. We, we were fishermen. We had, we had a good life. And when we left everything to follow you, all of a sudden our, our comfort got discombobulated because we don't know where we're going. When we left everything to follow you, 
He didn't know where this thing was going to end up. No, we left all to follow you because of who you are. And and when when we left everything, all of a sudden it wasn't bull. We sacrificed. The disciples, as you know, go on to literally lose their lives for the gospel. It wasn't, it, well, I, I want this feeling, I want this, I want this good feeling, so I'm going to leave all Jesus to follow you for this good feeling. No. No. The way that Peter refers to it later on, when Peter writes, he says, we're like aliens, we're like strangers in a foreign land. Paul writes it as, we're like the Messiah's misfit. It's this language of, it's, it's uncomfortable. We're, we're living in a culture, in a world where we have a different value system. And it's not all feel good. It's, it's days that it's hard, that it's difficult. And it's not, Jesus did not look at the disciples and scare them. Scare them into coming to him. He didn't say, follow me or go to hell. He just said, follow me. You see, at the core, the core message of why we follow Jesus, the very core of what we're asking God to do in our hearts, is we want to follow Jesus because of who he is. The reason why we leave everything, the reason why you give your life to Jesus Christ, the reason is not, is not, hey, I want the apartment, man. Hey, I want the girlfriend. No. Your confession, if you come to Jesus for that, could be on an airplane one day saying, I no longer believe. Why? Because you hit the crisis when, when, it, when it's not there, when the, when the money's not there. And I'm desperate for those of you that show up into this house a decade from now for you to not be disillusioned and living distant from God. Our passion is that this would be like a greenhouse where you encounter God, you experience God. I mean, it, everything grows. Your heart gets connected to God. And a decade from now, you're Christ followers. A decade from now, you know God. A decade from now, you're walking in the place of... A decade from now, you're consecrated, holy, set apart. A decade from now, you're fulfilling God's purpose on your life. And I want you to come to Jesus. I want you to fall in love with Jesus no matter what the future holds. No matter what takes place for you. I mean, if you look at this, there are some moments where it feels great. There are some moments where it's like Jesus is feeding 5,000 and it's really fun. Hey, I'm passing out fish and bread. What are you doing? Sitting at home trying to catch some fish. I mean, like, there are moments where they, it's exciting. There are moments where it's hard. I swear. We're this one that they love, this man Jesus. We thought, we thought that this was all going to go well, and now they're whipping him and they're beating him and they're putting him on a cross. There are moments that are exciting as Christ. There's moments of blessings moments of purpose but there's moments where it's going to be tough but if you lock in with this 
Jesus. Philippians 2 says that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. Revelation 5 says that beheld him, those that beheld him say blessing and honor and glory and power be unto our God. And Revelation 7 says that there's a great multitude of which no one could count saying, worthy is the lamb. Awesome is this man, Jesus. And the core that we need to connect with tonight is who is this man, Jesus? Jesus, who was God, became man, remained God. It says in the scripture, 2 Corinthians 8 9, it says that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. God, God becomes a man in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ lives perfectly, he is without sin. Jesus lives goodness, Jesus lives with no flaw. Then Jesus goes to a cross. He dies for you. He creates a way for you to be right with God. Three days later, he raises from the dead. He ascends into heaven where he sits right now. He's enthroned. He's king, Lord. He and he is God. He is true. He is faithful. Bible says that he will return for us one day to take us with him that we might be with him where he is and if you lock in your heart I'm going to come to Jesus not to, for what I get but because of who he is then I believe I believe a decade from now you'll be a Christ follower a decade from now a decade from now no matter where it takes you, you'll be a Jesus follower. One of my favorite stories is a Arabian story. It's a story of a guy named Leonard Dober and David Nitschman. There's a guy, a guy named Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf. I asked Renata if we could name our child that, and she said no. I said, just Ludwig? No. Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf led prayer movement 1727 Hernhut, Germany and there were some Christians that needed safety he provided that place for them at his house and they began to pray around the clock day and night and night and day Every, two by two, two men, two girls two men, two girls, just around the clock but they began to pray for themselves first they began to pray just for protection but it wasn't too long before they began to pray for the nations of the world those that had never heard the gospel. And they began to just ask God to move. It wasn't too long before they started to become the answer to their own prayers. It wasn't too long, not just praying for people to come to faith, but they began to send out people from their village to go out to the different parts of the world. And they sent people all over the world, two by two, all over to preach the gospel. And Zinzendorf came and he said, we have an opportunity in the West Indies to reach an island. The problem is there, there though, the landowners on the island, they don't want Christianity on the island. They want to keep religion off. They don't want any of it. But we have an opportunity to go, and the only way that we'll be able to go is if someone here is willing to sell their life into slavery and become a slave on one of the landowner farms and work. And not only that, we have to sell your life into slavery, but 
the amount of money that your life is worth is the amount of a one-way boat ticket to get there. So it's a famous story. We talk a lot, of, a lot here. We have furnace mission go to Germany. Kids visit this place. Because there was a 19-year-old, Leonard Dover, David Nitschman, one a carpenter and the other a potter. And they said, we'll go. And they began to go through some training in order to take the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, the good news of who he is, that Jesus came to earth. I so loved the world that he gave his only son for you, for those people that had never heard. They were about to leave. They were preparing to go. And they're, they got out, and they were about to set out. They got into the And there's a famous moment that has become the anthem of the Moravian church. Many people began to say, don't go, you're young. They're 19 years old. Don't go. And Leonard Dober took the hand of David Nitschman and he said, no, we will go. And he held it high and he screamed back to those standing on the docks. He said, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. May the lamb, Jesus, who was slain, who died on a cross, may the lamb, Jesus, who was slain, who died, receive the reward, the reward, a great which no one could count from every tongue, tribe, and nation. May the lamb, Jesus, who was slain, who died on a cross, receive the reward, thousands of people, of his suffering, what he did for them, that he died on a cross so that they could spend an eternity with him. You listen to this 19-year-old, this is the essence of Christianity. This is the essence of why you come to Jesus. Guys, don't go. Don't give up your lives. No, 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 no. You, you've got comfort here. We can provide a, pl- a place for you. You can get better jobs here. You can have a more comfortable life here. Why go? No, no, don't go. No, no, no. No, give it. Come on. More of that cry is something that's saying, this is mostly about you. Come on, man. It's, it's nice to do the religious thing a little bit, but don't be too extreme about it. Don't do something of this level of extravagance. But at the core of the rebuttal that came back from a 19-year-old, may the lamb who was slain, may the worthy lamb, the one who everyone is going to say to him who sits on the throne and under the lamb, be blessing and glory and honor and power. The one, he became a man for us. He literally lived perfectly. He went to a cross. He was whipped. He was beaten for me. He then rose from the dead and he sits enthroned forever. He is worthy. He's the one that seraphims fall down before him and cry, holy, 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 holy. He's the one who's got a sword in his mouth. I mean, he's the one who's big and awesome. I mean, when you just read who God is, he's awesome. He's true. That God made the lamb who was slain the worthy lamb. The one that all nations, Philippians 2 says, every knee's going to bow. He demands, he will demand the worship of all. He's worthy of it. He's that awesome. May the lamb who was slain receive the reward we live that they might know that there might be as many worshipers from as many nations, from as many people groups as possible around the throne forever and ever and ever. And at the core of that rebuttal, you hear this. It's not about us. 
It's not about me and Leonard. It's not me. It's not about us and him being the best carpenter and me, him, me being the best potter and us having a destiny. Oh, I love having a destiny. I want to have a destiny. Oh, it's not about our blessing. Oh, I like blessing. I like, I like this. This is nice. This is nice. Colorado's nice. You know what I mean? I, I like blessing. I like good things. But he's saying it's not about the blessing of staying in Germany and everything. It's not about us having the long, the good life. This isn't about us having the good life. This isn't about the comfort zone. No, no, the day that we literally bowed our knee to the worthy lamb, the day that we recognized the surpassing excellence and the glory and the, of the man, Christ Jesus, was the day that we surrendered our lives, that we gave everything to him, that we recognized the magnitude of who he is. It's the day that we left our nets. It's the day that we left all to follow Christ. And we're not in this thing for what we can get. We're in this thing called Christianity because of who he is. And there's so many of you here tonight. My passion is not to look at you and say, follow Jesus so that you can get this. Follow Jesus so that you can have a better life. Follow Jesus so that you can get some purpose. Oh man, I hope, I, you've, got a, you've got a destiny. And when you come to Jesus, he does give purpose. When you come to Jesus, many of you will be blessed. But it's not a bed of roses. Some of you will come to Jesus and life will be hard. Some of you, you come to Jesus and you may end up... Last, last month we had a, a guy who came here. God radically met him while he was in desperation and now he's an NFL quarterback. That was cool. He was blessed. There's others that have come. And today, they're living on nothing in a foreign land declaring the gospel. They have very little financial blessing or comforts. We don't come to Jesus for the comfort. We don't come to Jesus so we can just, I mean, we're thankful. We're thankful for some purpose. We're thankful that he gives us destinies. We love it and we're grateful for it. But it's not the core. It's not the very reason. The very reason why you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. The very reason turn from your wicked ways while you repent of your sin and you say I'm not going to go that way anymore I'm going to go this way I'm going to go after Jesus is not about you it's because your eyes have beheld the beauty of God and you say my life is about Jesus my life is about him that's why we follow that's why we give all and I'm, 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 I'm brokenhearted right now because that USA Today article, that's an article to some. But I, I have friends. I know people that that's what they're talking about. They're talk, that's my story. I, I, I know so many. I, 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 I connect. I, I'm right now on Facebook chats with so many of my old buds. That when they face disillusionment and they're not rich and famous they're in their 30s and their life looks like paying bills and they're not very cool and they got a bigger belly than they expected and they got not as much money as they thought 
they didn't turn out to be rock stars? That's the moment where you find out who you are. That's the moment. Some of you, some of you, you'll follow Jesus and he'll take you to be, I don't know, businessmen, politicians, journalists, Hollywood, athletes that declare the good news of Jesus. Some of you will end up in cubicles on Academy Boulevard. Some of you will end up in mud huts declaring the gospel in villages across the world. I don't know where you're going to end up. I don't know what your story is going to be, and neither do you. That's why we have to lock in with why we come to Jesus. Why? You you follow him because you love this moment where we have lights and some awesome worship songs, and I love the lights and I love the worship songs. Do you follow him because the friends in your youth group follow him? Do you follow? Why do you follow him? Do you follow him because your parents want you to? Why do you follow him? Let me tell you why we follow him. There is a God who is seated on a throne. He is the king of the nations. He will return for a people that are holy. He will return for a people that are set apart. He will return for a people that gave up everything to follow him. Jesus is looking to love him with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength. Jesus is looking for a people that come after him because of who he is. And we don't, we, don't, we don't come to him because our friends come to him. Oh, I'm thankful that your friends are coming to him. We don't come to him because we have a cool worship moment. I'm thankful for a cool worship moment. We come to Jesus. Jesus Christ, we believe, is the God of the ages. Jesus Christ came to earth. Jesus Christ died in your place for your sin, that you could have eternal life. Jesus Christ loves and delights in you. Jesus Christ is the world. He's the light of the world. He's the savior. He's the redeemer. He's awesome. And we follow Jesus at the end of the day or at the end of our lives or a decade from now, not for what we can get, but because of who he is. And if you get that, David, it seems like you're kind of just saying one thing tonight. I am. I'm saying one thing. I'm saying one idea, one thing. You imagine what happens when thousands of teenagers, thousands, what happens when thousands of teenagers right now lock into the excellence and the glory and the splendor of Jesus? What if who he is and his greatness pushes out all the other cares of this life? What happens if he becomes the central focus of your heart and your life tonight? You want to know where we'll be a decade from now? Oh, man, John Wesley said, give me a hundred men who love only God and hate only sin and will change the world in one generation. I'll tell you this. You look at us. You look at this many thousands of people gathering. If we really committed and and we said it's because of who you are and we won't allow accusation and anger towards God or frustration because things didn't turn out. No, we didn't measure how things would turn out. We just stepped in and said, we're going to follow you no matter how things turn out. We're going to follow you because of who you are. And if that takes us to a mud hut, it takes us to a mud hut. If that turns you into being, you know, John Egan for Jesus and you're a rock star with cool jeans and rock it out and all that, cool. If that takes you to literally be and Keith Nolan, you're the quarterback for the Rams. Cool. If that takes you to Academy Boulevard, you're making phone calls all day. Whatever. Cool. Doesn't matter. 
No matter where it takes you, you're not in this for you. You're in this because you've beheld him. You've seen him. You know that he's good. You know that he's, you know that he's worthy. You know that he's true. You know that he is God. You've surrendered your life. And no matter where this thing takes you, you are a follower of Jesus. And if we get that, then we will defy the statistics. If we get that, then that will not be true of this generation. Instead, there will be articles and stories of holy cabooses, Cornelius, are taking over the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.